one day I was hanging out with my kids. We were playing outside doing something. I can't remember. And the moment just became a teaching moment. And God said, you're going to homeschool your kids. And I was like, you're funny. No, I'm not. (laughs) I'm not doing that, Lord, because we already tried it. It went terribly wrong. And um, it just over the summer, though, he just worked on my heart. I mean, I cried for like two weeks and I fought tooth and nail. I was like, this is not something I'm going to do. But I just I knew is what God wanted us to do. Welcome to the Homeschool Compass podcast, a show that's all about finding confidence in community and help in the wisdom of those who've gone before. I'm your host, Amy Otto, and today I'm joined by Tiffany Wasson. Tiffany is a homeschool mom of two and author of the book, I Quit, Confessions of an Imperfect Homeschool Mom. If you came into homeschooling kicking and screaming and wrestling with doubts about whether you were doing the right thing for your family, this conversation is for you. Tiffany knows all about fighting through those doubts and fears and fixing your eyes on Jesus so that you can make it one more day, even when you feel like throwing in the towel. I know you'll be encouraged by Tiffany's story. But before we get to my conversation with Tiffany, I wanted to let you know about the brand new printable preschool program we just released at the Homeschool Compass. It's called A Picture Book Preschool, and it's available for purchase at christianbook.com. We created it to help families gently ease into the rhythms of homeschooling while enjoying beautiful picture books together. It has 26 units, one for each letter of the alphabet, and each unit includes a list of picture books, a folk song, nursery rhyme, or poem, worksheets to practice handwriting and letter and number skills, hands-on activities like crafts and recipes and science experiments, and lots of coloring pages. You get over 250 pages of printable material for your preschooler. Here's what one mom shared with us about a picture book preschool. This is everything I wanted and more. All the options with every letter make this a perfect introduction to school for my pre-K age kids. I can choose how much to do and when to do it. I love the book list to go along with the letter theme and all the activities mean I don't have to do any additional planning. Perfect for busy moms and eager to learn kids. So if that sounds like something you could use, please check out a picture book preschool at the link in our show description. And now, without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Tiffany Wasson. Welcome to the Homeschool Compass podcast, Tiffany. It's really great to talk to you. Hi, how are you guys? I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Oh, you're very welcome. I would love for you to introduce yourself a little bit to our listeners and tell us what the homeschool journey has looked like for your family. Okay. Um, My name is Tiffany Wasson and our homeschool journey started when my oldest was in pre-K. We were thinking about it. We decided to do it. And then him and I just butt heads, like literally, I was like, I just can't do this. This is ruining our relationship. So we put him in school and then he went all the way to second grade, but each year, like teachers were kind of noticing 
things that were going on with him and we didn't really know what was going on. But one teacher said, well, I think he has dysgraphia and dyslexia because he would come home and he would just say, I'm stupid. I'm dumb. I can't do this. And I'm like, what second grader is talking like this about himself? You know? Um, so we started researching things, looking into things, getting him tested. And um, it came out to be that he had dysgraphia and dyslexia. So I thank God for that second grade teacher who decided like to do some research, look into it for us. And so we decided we're like, well, over the summer, we were thinking about it and praying about it. Like, what do we do? Um, we talked to the special ed, like overhead person at the school. And he said, well, I'm, I apologize, Miss Watson, but with what your son has, unfortunately, he's probably going to get swept under the rug. And I was like, wow, for that to come from the top, that's really disheartening. Um, and I wasn't interested in our oldest or any of my boys or any child really to be swept under the rug, you know? So the Lord, you know, one day I was hanging out with my kids. We were playing outside doing something I can't remember. And the moment just became a teaching moment. And God said, like, you're going to homeschool your kids. And I was like, you're funny. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not doing that Lord, because we already tried it. It went terribly wrong. And, um, it just over the summer though, he just worked on my heart. I mean, I cried for like two weeks and I fought tooth and nail. I was like, this is not something I'm going to do, but I just, I knew is what God wanted us to do. So we've been homeschooling ever since we did go through a journey of finding, you know, the right curriculum for our family. Um, the first year we did I don't want to say it out loud, but it was a, it was a public school forum online. And, um, cause if somebody uses that, I don't want them to make them feel bad in any way, but it just was not a good fit for our family because of what my son has, you know, so it was third grade for him and, you know, third grade, they get thrown so much new stuff, you know, so it was already intimidating to him and dealing with this new diagnosis and all of that. But, um, we just did not do well with it. So the following year, we decided to do a conglomerate. Like we kind of put things together, you know, like we'll take math here and science over here and just kind of create our own. And um, the kids were still not thriving like we wanted them to. And they were bored. They missed people. Um, so the third year is when we started um, classical conversations. So we've been involved with that almost five years now. And um, they love it because we get to go to community once a year or once a year, once a week and just have life with people. So that's our, our homeschool story, you know, in a couple of minutes. Um, but that's, that's what got us here. Yeah. And I think that's so good for people to hear that it took you a while to find what worked for your family. You didn't decide, okay, this is for us. And then immediately it was all perfectly clear to you which steps to take. And it just went perfectly from there. Oh, that's no. not usually the way <laughs> it goes. You have to kind of try some things figure out why that wasn't the right fit for your family and then pivot, right. try something else, tweak that a little bit. I would love to hear more about classical conversations. I think you might be the first podcast guest we've had that is active yeah. classical conversations. Can you tell people a little bit about what that is? Yeah. So when I first heard about it, it's kind of comical. So they teach kids based on their level of where they're at, what age they're at, what they're interested in, how they learn, Right. So originally the high school um, curriculum was written first and then everything trickles down from that. Like they, they wrote the curriculum based on that, which is a really cool thing. But in the grammar stage, they call it, which is like the parrot stage. So your kids are 
they're squirmy and all over the place and they just copy things, right? They just, they copy back what you say. So a lot of it um, in the elementary school age is they are learning songs and uh, doing memory work, you know, learning the grammar parts of like the vocabulary of each subject. So you're learning multiplication, you're learning all this stuff. Well, all, all of that is song-based. Um, and so at first when I heard about it, I was like, you do what all day? Like you sing songs? Like that sounds really weird. And um, <laughs> I didn't want to do classical conversations, but it's more than that. So, you know, they, they do the songs, they do um, like history sentences and stuff. I mean, cause that's how our brain works. I mean, you think about all the songs that you've listened to in your life and you can recite a song, but you asked me what year this happened. And I'm like, I don't know. So classical conversations, put that in a song so that kids can learn it and really develop and grow from that. And of course you add your own math in, you can add whatever you want. So it's a very basic, you know, structured where, you know, this is what we give you. And then if you want to add more things, you can. So for us, like the history sentences, we'll add like a who was book to go with it or a YouTube video or, you know, this. And so it's really flexible in that way um, that, you know, with a child who might be dealing with dyscraphic dyslexia, like this is the baseline. This is how we can work it to where it fits for your child. Um, and then, you know, make it as difficult or, you know, as you want it to be, you can have them write an essay about this sentence or, you know, so it's really, really neat. Um, when they get to fourth to sixth grade, um, I don't know if you've heard of IEW, um, the program like Dr. Kudabal, he does that program. And so it, that's the writing program we kind of work in to ages, you know, fourth grade to sixth grade. Um, so you're doing IEW program, learning on writing and, and figuring that out and how kids, you know, some kids are like, what do I write? And so he takes it to where we're going to give you something and then you're going to change it up a little bit. And, you know, if you can recite this back to me, but change it, give me a summary, you know, so it's a really neat program. If you haven't heard of it, even if you don't do CC, you can do um, IEW. Um, and then they have challenges A and B and then one, two, three, four. Um, the second stage is um, dialect dialectic is what they call it. So you start asking good questions. Like, you know, if you learned all the presidents, well, why did this president do this in that year? You know, what was going on in the country? Who was involved? And, you know, you're just starting to ask good questions and learning how to take ownership and what you're doing. And then um, when they get it, so it's A, B, and one, those are kind of the dialectic stage. And then two, three, and four is your 10th grade through 12th grade year. And they call it the rhetoric stage. So you are basically learning to be well-versed and telling people what you've learned. Um, they have to write like a 20 page thesis when they're seniors and, and talk about a like choose a subject, back it up. But I, I just love the way they do it because they're teaching you how to have good conversations with being respectful to other people, you know, like seeing the person on the other side, like as an Im image bearer of Christ and how can I have a different opinion than you and still honor you and Christ in the process. So that's a little bit about it. Do you have to teach a section? What's the parent involvement like? So you go to community once a week and you have a tutor. So yeah, you have the tutor that like gives the kids for the younger ages, like what they're going to learn for the week. And then as a parent, you kind of reiterate that. So the tutor's job is just to show you like, this is what you can do as a parent to teach your child these things. And um, the older they get, they come to, to class a week ahead. So they've already done all the work for the week. And then they come with the tutor and have good conversation. Like how can we model good conversation for these kids to 
investigate and wonder and think about what does this really mean and how does it affect the world and how can we make better decisions moving forward? So that's how that works. Um, it really depends on the age, like how involved you are as a mom. Um, my oldest, like I said, he's going into ninth grade, which is challenge one. And I'm really just like a check-in system. Like, Hey, what did you read today? How did that work for you? You know, he has become like very well-versed in like, how do I make a schedule? How do I, you know, make sure all my work is done before I go to class. So he definitely has learned to take ownership. And I actually, as you see the kids go through, it's like, at first you're like, I'm not doing enough. And then as you keep going, it's like, Oh, the light bulbs are finally clicking and they're getting it, you know? So it's a really cool thing to see. That's awesome. And it sounds like the community aspect has been really good for you guys, the friends and the support. Yes. I knew going into homeschool that for my youngest, it was going to be difficult because he's so social. Um, and so even now, you know, he's like, I miss people I miss friends. I'm like, well, baby, you've been sick for two weeks. Like we need to go just be around people. So he just really values friendships and relationships and just needs that like community. And we all do, right. We can't do life alone. We don't need to do life alone. Um, but every kid's different, but I knew, you know, especially for my youngest that he would need that extra like human interaction. So community, I would, I would encourage anyone, whether it's CC or a homeschool, like any homeschool community, I don't believe anybody should be homeschooling alone because as a mom, you need a break, right? You need to have other adults in your life spurring you to good things and how to have positive attitudes, how to the day that you wanted to rip your hair out, how to, you know, have a better day the next day and just, you know, have a place to vent, have a place to, Oh, me too. You know, I think it's important for the child and the parent for sure. Definitely. Thank you for sharing that. That's really great to hear. I'm glad it's worked out well for your family. Yeah, it's been awesome. Well, you have written such a fun book, Tiffany. It's called I quit confessions of an imperfect homeschool mom. And it's really funny and really real I love how you do such a good job of sharing what homeschool life is actually like. You don't sugarcoat anything. You don't Mm -mm. make it sound like this is all going to be sunshine and roses every day. You give a real accurate picture of what it's like when your house is a mess and you're, you know, not sure if you can do this one more day or your kids are not cooperating. But you also incorporate so much scripture There's a prayer at the end of every chapter, which I loved. It's so nice sometimes when you just don't know what to pray to have someone give language um, to Mm -hmm. what's what's on your heart. So I really appreciated that. And then you have tons of practical ideas that people can implement right away and also room for journaling and reflection questions. So it's a really great read. I'm so grateful that you wrote it. You're so sweet. You're so sweet. I just knew because I'm a perfectionist. It's just been something that the Lord has been working with me for my entire life, you know, through a bunch of different situations. But I just felt like, oh, homeschool is going to be the same way. It's going to be sunshine and rainbows. It's going to be great. I'm going to like have this homeschool room and we're going to meet every day and we're not going to argue. And but then when you have this schedule in front of you and you created this schedule and this whole like, you know, image in your mind of what it should be like. And then the first day your toddler pitches a fit, it's like, oh no, the world is on fire. (laughs) So I, um, I really wanted other moms to, to feel encouraged. Like it is okay. Like you will have good days. You will have bad days. You will have days where you don't feel like doing it. You will have days where you start 
you know, doing math and it all falls apart and you're like, okay, I'm done. We're going to snuggle and watch a movie and then we'll try again. <laughs> you know. So I really appreciate you saying that. That was really my goal from the start. Like the Lord was just like, these mamas need help and they need a hug and they need encouragement just like you do. And um, we're in it together, you know, it's not a super long book. I uh, intentionally made it to where the crazy busy homeschool mom could just take it in strides and um, read a little bit here and just be encouraged because I love to read but I just can feel like I never can get through a book because I have so much going on. So a lot of um, prayer and just intentionality of how I wanted to put it together and create it to encourage other moms to not throw in the towels. <laughs> yes. Well, well done. Yeah, you definitely accomplished that for sure. I wonder, it's been a little while since you wrote it. I'm guessing it takes a while to get it all out in in the world. And I wonder if there are any parts that are still resonating with you or that you still think about in this time since it's been released. Yeah. So it published uh, last year in April. I think it was a publishing day. I did it on our anniversary. Oh, I forgot about that. So um, I made it, I made it intentional to launch it on my husband and I's like anniversary day. So it was April 8th of last year. A lot of it still resonates with me. Um, just learning to be patient with yourself, um, learning to be patient with your kids, because, you know, as the human condition, like we're constantly changing and constantly growing and learning and shifting and just learning to have grace. I think great, like pouring on grace daily, because it's, it's a journey for you to figure out, you know, who you are as a homeschool mom, first of all and who your kids are as students, you know, especially if your kids have been in school before and, you know, they come home and you're like, I have no idea who you are as a student. Um, I don't really know what your struggles are because you're, you're not home all day. So my biggest thing is learning to have grace for your kids and yourself and, and keeping Jesus in the center of all of it. As homeschool families, we can get so busy and we can feel like a kid in the candy store and grab everything off the shelf and put it into our homeschool. And then we live in the car and we're all burnt out and screaming at each other. You know, it's so easy to, um, to do that. So just being mindful of how much you add and being mindful of keeping Jesus the forefront. And in those hard days, it's like, oh my goodness, homeschool is really hard today, but we, we talked about Christ today and we modeled Christ today and our kids are closer to Christ today than they were yesterday. And just really understanding, like, what is the purpose of all this? You know, like, it's great that my kids know math and know, know how to read or know how to do this or write a paper. And those things are great and they help you to be functional humans in society. But is my child learning how to be a good person, you know, have good character and make good decisions and you're, you're molding a whole person. It's not just, can they spit out math problems or do this quickly or, you know, all that's important, but they have to be able to be functional humans in society that have kindness of Jesus in their heart. That's probably the biggest thing that still challenges me daily is making sure that my kids are learning how to be good people and um, having grace for themselves. And, you know, and even me, like now it's like, we have this, this great open conversation about, you know, mommy was not her best self today. (laughs) And I apologize for that. You know, this gets to me. Sometimes this is stressful. Sometimes, you know, I worry about your future and, um, but the Bible tells us not to worry. So I think that's the biggest thing that I'm still learning. 
I loved what you wrote in your book about creating a culture of confession, forgiveness, and repentance, kind of like mm-hmm. what you were just talking about. I thought that yeah. was such a great point. I haven't seen people connect those two things, that that's going to be the family culture that we're cultivating. Right. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that has looked like for you? So, yeah, just um, being real with your kids. And, you know, I think for kids, it's like, you know, when they're younger, they see, they put their parents on a pedestal, you know, like they don't have any flaws or issues or anything like that. And then they get maybe even out of high school and it's like, oh my goodness, my parents are human beings and they're faulty. And sometimes that shakes kids, you know, and, um, and it's not helpful. So now it's just, we do create that, that conversation and we do talk about it. Like mommy was in her bell self. How could I have handled that better? You know, um, and I think like showing them how to take ownership really, because we live in a culture today, I feel like it's, well, it's their fault or it's, you know, they shouldn't have done this or they shouldn't have done that. Well, maybe they shouldn't have, but how can we take responsibility and what we have done and what could we have done better in this situation? Like, how could I have handled that better? Um, moving forward, what can I do better, you know, moving forward? Um, cause we're not going to be perfect. We're just not, you know, God is constantly changing us and helping us. But I think just the more you model it for your kids, you know, they're going to start doing that too. Like sometimes Aaron was like, man, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have said that, you know, to the youngest or, uh, I should have handled that better, but I'm really, I apologize. Cause I mean, just saying you're sorry is great but there has to be a change after that. My husband is very careful about apologizing too soon. Cause he's like, I want to apologize, but I also want to make sure that after the apology, I'm shifting my behavior. And it's not just this thing, like saying, I love you too much, just flippantly, but saying you're sorry too much, just flippantly and not having repentance or not having um, life change after that. It's meaningless. So I think it's important to, to create a culture of that in your home. Yeah, that's so powerful. Just being able to acknowledge that we're not perfect before our children is Mm -hmm. really, really liberating for them. And we don't have to pretend like we always do everything right or that we're perfect all the time. They know that we're not perfect, Um, but just us saying it and owning it can really go a long way towards establishing that kind of connected relationship and modeling for them what it looks like to walk with Christ Mm -hmm. as broken people and realizing there's consequences to our actions, you know, like you make a poor decision, there's consequences. And, uh, you know, you just have to make sure that what you're doing next is better. And so I don't know, it's just one of those things I'm passionate about. So I I do see the fruits of it and it, it changing and shifting in our home and, and they're learning from it. So it's cool to see. One of the other things that you wrote about in your book that I really appreciated was you talked about how there are some dreams that you've had to sacrifice in order to make space for homeschooling in this season of life. But at the same time, you're still learning, you're still growing, and you're walking in confidence that at the right time, God is going to use all of those things for his glory. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? I thought that was really great. When I was younger, I um, worked at a Christian radio station from I was like seventh grade. I was introduced to it and I don't have to go in the whole long story, but just being connected to ministry at such a young age, like ministry was a passion of mine. I guess it just, it was God shifting my heart and my mind about what ministry truly looks like. You know, everybody says, well, your kids are your first ministry, but 
I didn't really see it that way at first. I was like, all the people I want to minister to are outside of the home. Um, but looking at our kids as, you know, they are the next generation and they're the ones that we're ministering to in this season. And it's such a short season. Like now I'm seeing that more and more the, the each year that goes by, how fast it goes. You know, my oldest going into high school, I'm like, oh my goodness, did I spend any time with him? You know, what did I do wrong? Am I okay? Like, is he okay? Is our relationship good? And just the idea of how quickly these next four years are going to go. Um, the 18 years that you have your kids at home is such a short season. And, and God is showing me that more and more. It's like, you don't have to worry, you know, I've got you. And, and realizing that, you know, the doors that God opens, nobody can shut and the the doors that God's closed, that God closes, no one can open and just resting in that. It's like, if I'm meant to do anything else, like God will show me that that's what I'm supposed to do. And in the meantime, in the waiting, it's like, what can I do to cultivate and grow while I wait? Because it's all this time could be wasted if I'm not growing and I'm not learning. So I love to, to preach from the stage and I love to teach. And so it's like, where, what can I do? Who can I ask? You know, like, Hey, can I speak at this thing or do that? And, and just keep learning and growing and communication skills, you know, writing the books and, you know, God told me to write in homeschool. And those are the two things um, I knew he's told me to do. So it's like, how can I make space for that while I homeschool my kids? And, and just like anything else, like your, your home, right? So there will be days where your home is an absolute mess, but you got all your schoolwork done. And there are days where you don't get any schoolwork done and your home is immaculate because you spent the day teaching your kids home, you know, home skills of cleaning a home. So you're not going to always be able to touch those dreams daily. Like there will be seasons where, you know, I haven't really written much in the past year, but there is a book on my heart. So I think just resting in God, resting in his perfect timing. And the more you do that, the more you realize like opportunities open up like this podcast, you know, and, and different things. It's like, okay, God, I'm going to truly trust you with my kids future with my future, because in essence, it's not a, just about, it's not about me anymore. It's about the whole family and making sure that every single person in the family is finding their purpose. So we're in it together, you know, we're in it together to find out what our passions are, what God's put in our heart, you know, how can we cultivate what and, and help grow what my oldest wants to be when he graduates high school? How can I help my youngest? Cause truth be told, I mean, four years goes by really fast. Um, my youngest is going into sixth grade, so that'll go by really fast and you blink and they're older. So it's just, I have the rest of whatever God, the life that God gives me to continue to do those dreams. I might be 45, but there's no age in the spirit. So I was like, I may have a few more wrinkles, but if it's God's will, you know, just resting in that. Yes. And all the things that you've learned through homeschooling and all the experiences that you've shared with your kids, that'll just be all the more impactful in whatever you do. Absolutely. I remember when my kids were babies and toddlers, it felt like those older years were never going to come and that we were always going to be in that place of diapers and preparing snack after snack after snack after snack and cleaning up spills and, you know, mm -hmm. doing piles and piles of laundry. But it goes by faster than you think. So and there fast. really is so much, so much time 
to live your life in seasons and be present in the place that God has you. That's a whole word right there. (laughs) (laughs) It's a whole word. Being present in the season is important. Well, Tiffany, we reached out to the Homeschool Compass community on Instagram. I always like to see if they have any questions for our guests. Um, And we got a lot of great questions that came in for you. The first one is someone is wondering about, uh, someone's wondering if you have any advice for balancing working or career and homeschooling. Do you have any thoughts on that? You know, it really depends on the age of your kids. You know, starting out, it might feel like a struggle because of the age of your kids. So if you have younger kids, you know, five years old, um, something like that, that one, they don't really have to learn very much at that age. You know, we're, we're talking letters, colors, you know, different things like that. So that's kind of easy to kind of work in if you're working, you know, working mom, if you can just dedicate like an hour or two to those children, you know, a day. Um, but it can be throughout the day. It doesn't, I mean, I don't know if you work from home, it just depends. Like if you're working out of the office, that may be more, a little more difficult. If you're working from home, you just kind of have to work that in your schedule. And then you have this weird age where it's like, you know, third grade, all of that, that takes a little more hands-on, but I will say it takes a village, you know? So if you struggle with teaching math, there might be a math program online. You know, we use teaching textbooks, Um, which I really appreciate because um, not only, I mean, I'm learning math, you know, I'm doing better. Okay. I can do sixth grade math. I can do ninth grade math. I'm I'm realizing I know things, Um, but, you know, so trying to look at just the different things that are available for homeschoolers, because there's so many things out there um, that you can use to help your children. So you know, if it's, um, if you have multiple children, like you can choose one science curriculum, right. You can sit down together, read together. And then for the older one, you can say, well, can you go write a paragraph for the younger one? It's like, can you draw me a picture? And then if it's really small, like four years old, it's like, you can go play, <laughs> like, you know, so I'm um, just gauging like how really it's your kids ages. Um, it's the season that you're in. And depending on what you do for work, if you're out of the, you know, the home or not, that can be difficult, but I know it can be done. I have a beautiful friend. She's a nurse, you know, she works nights and she homeschools her kids. And it's one of those things where, you know, she gets home, she'll dedicate some time, you know, cause usually you only, you only need like four hours, but that's for older kids, you know, for a younger kid, it's like an hour and a half, right. Depending on the age, you can look that up, like gauge how long you need. But, you know, she comes home and works with her kids and then passes out. <laughs> so it is doable. It just all depends on your what your career is and what you're doing. But the more you teach them to take ownership, I'm at the stage now where it's like, I don't, I'm like, what am I even needed for? Because they're, they're starting to take ownership and do things on their own. And so if you're in that season of like, oh man, they need me a lot. It's a very short season, you know, season. So don't freak out, don't panic, um, but you can outsource. You can ask for help for different subjects. That's a hard question because there's so many variables, but you know, just don't panic. It can be done. Just trying to figure out what rhythm works for you and your family. Yes, and there's so, so much help out there now, I feel like, for figuring out creative ways to do mm-hmm. that. We had Lindsay Neural on the podcast back in episode 21, and she has so much, so many practical ideas about that. But she talks about separating 
the childcare issue from the schoolwork issue. So if you have little, little kids sure. and you can find someone to watch them and care for them while you're working, you can do school with them in, you know, little 15 and 30 minute increments some other time during the week. It can happen on weekends. It can happen in the evenings. Yep. It can happen right before bed. All of those things count if you can weave in some little bits of quality time um, yeah. where you're able to get some work done with them. So yeah, it doesn't have to be an insurmountable obstacle. No. It just takes some creativity, I think. Some creativity and maybe making a plan, you know, like this is what you have to do today, sweetie. So, you know, this is what we're going to work on. But if you have little kids, man, just have fun. Teach them those letters, just have fun. And it's been my experience too, that you can do a pretty minimalist amount of schoolwork during the early years. And they still, when they get to be, you know, 10, 12, you see this capacity grow in them to mm -hmm. do a lot more intensive schoolwork. So even if you don't cover every subject in depth, you know, with your first grader, if you're not hitting all the topics in history and science and some of those content areas, they will really surprise you sometimes with right. what they're capable of when they get a little bit older. So you don't have to do it all in those early, early years. Well, like one quick tip that could help is blocking. So, you know, on Monday, Wednesday, we're going to work on science and history, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, we're going to work on these two subjects and then touch a map a little bit every day and reading every day. I've seen like crazy good, you know, success with blocking and scheduling that way. So that's, that can be really helpful. Another mom asked, when your kids are playing, do you interrupt them and stop them to make them do schoolwork? That depends on how long the playtime goes. So typically I will say you have an hour to go play or you have 30 minutes to go play, or this is a 15 minute break. If learning is happening while playing, then that's one thing, but you know, my kids are older, so they can get wrapped up in, you know, video games or something like that, which school days, it's like, you don't get to touch a video game until all of your schoolwork is done. But sometimes it's like, oh, well, I was just checking this for a second and no, like we need to go do schoolwork, but you know, definitely younger. I think that learning happens while you play. So it really depends on the situation, depends on the age of your kids. Um, but for the most part, I'll just, I would just set a timer. You know, you have 15 minutes, go wild. Um, you have 30 minutes, go wild. You really need to get outside. Like even during math, sometimes I'm like, you seem stressed. You need a break. I need a break. Either let's put some music on and do a dance party, or you can go outside and play basketball for a little bit and then come back. Like, let's revisit this. So there is so much beauty and freedom in homeschool. But like, if you've been playing for two hours, it's like, come on, we need to go like do some math. <laughs> so. I will say when my kids were little, little, like four or five, six, if they were like building some amazing thing out of blocks or something, I would yeah. for sure just let them go do that. Let them know. play. Like you let a sleeping baby lie. It's like if they're playing and having a great time and they're not arguing in this moment. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. But definitely as they get older, the timer is a great suggestion. Another mom wrote in to share how she's homeschooling with her 10-year-old and she feels like he has a really hard time focusing on any kind of schoolwork. He's distracted easily. Everything seems to break his focus. And mm -hmm. she was wondering if you had any suggestions for that situation. So I have an 11-year-old and he's the exact same way. 
he, it's like a herd of elephants upstairs. If he's doing anything and it's like, you're one person, how can you make so much noise? And he truly is. I'm struggling with him because he truly does hate all things school. Like it's especially boys. It's, you know, they don't want to sit still. They don't want to have time for this. They got other things to do. They got things to build. You know, it's, it's hard, but I think just doing school in increments or allowing them, like if they want to stand while they're doing math, let them stand, you know? Um, my son will do a few problems, do some jumping jacks, you know, or dance or whatever, and then come back, um, and do a couple more. Um, so for example, I'll just say this. So we were doing socks and math for a while and there were like 30 problems, you know, um, in each lesson, it was a lot of work. So for a while we were doing like all 30 problems and, you know, I was stressed and he was stressed. And, um, my sister, who's a math teacher for middle school students, uh, I said, well, how many problems should they be doing? And she said, oh, 10, like at the most 10, especially for boys, they will be there for hours if you give them 30 problems. So just gauging and like pulling back on, um, the amount of work. So I'm really big on uh, progress, not perfection and quality over quantity. So if I can do these five math problems and you truly get what you're doing, then what's the point of strapping you to this chair and doing a whole lot more. Now I will say like, if there is a learning disability going on, like navigating that or, or searching into that could be a thing. Like we found out that my youngest has sensory processing issues and it's hard for him to focus and I'm researching this and go into different people. It's like, oh my goodness, that was me as a kid. Um, if somebody was clicking a pen or tapping their foot or chewing gum during a test, like I wanted to pull my hair out, like I wanted to cry and pull my hair out. So sometimes those things can be going on, you know, like um, too much stimulation is difficult. Uh, and then I also learned that for sensory kids, they're sensory seeking. So they want to tap their foot or sing a song or stop or anything like that. So, you know, it could be that he needs to listen to music while he's doing school or classical music, or just what, you know, we listen to Christian music a lot, or maybe headphones is something that could be beneficial for him to help him focus or setting the timer. Hey, we're going to do math for 15 minutes and then we're going to move on to something else. And then we'll come back to math, you know? Um, so being creative, I mean, as a mom, I mean, you're a smart woman, you know, just be creative and make it fun, move things around, you know, and don't be upset if they have to get out of their chair and wiggle, you know, and do something else for a minute. That was really eye-opening for me as a mom to realize one of my kids actually worked better if there was like loud music or she was sitting on a bouncy ball or she's, you know, standing on one foot next to the table instead of sitting in her chair. And for me, that would not be helpful to my concentration at all. But for her, she can actually focus better if she has a little bit more stimulation like stimulation because so. you can kind of like it helps you drown out I don't know it's the weirdest thing because I'm the same way when I'm writing I can listen to worship music uh, and different stuff but uh, everybody's different everybody's brain is different on how they learn so definitely you know figuring out for your son maybe there is something else going on maybe there's not he's just a boy and he's busy so mm. <laughs> right yeah and that's okay Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate you sharing your time with us today. I hope everybody will pick up a copy of your book and we'll make sure to link that in the show description so people can find it. But do you have any final words of wisdom you'd like to share with the homeschool moms and dads that are listening today, Tiffany? Um, yeah, I think the biggest thing is grace. 
literally just, just grace pour it on yourself every day. Give yourself a break, you know, like it's okay if you're not perfect every day and the same for your kids. Um, and I think if you just let that wash over you every single day, you know, it's like yesterday was a bad day, but today's a new day, you know, um, just giving yourself grace and um, enjoying the journey. Like it is such a fun journey if you let it be fun and not stressful. Yes, there's stress involved, but it doesn't have to be stressful. It can just be a really fun um, journey with your kids and your family and growing closer together and just figuring out the crazy world that we live in together <laughs> and how to face it, you know? So but yeah, that's my biggest thing. It's just, just grace. I love that. That's so good. Where can people find you, Tiffany, if they would like to connect with you more? So you can go to tiffanywasson.com. Um, that is my website or I'm on Instagram and Facebook at author Tiffany Watson. Those are the, the ways. <laughs> author Tiffany Watson and tiffanywasson.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Tiffany, for sharing that encouragement with us today. Be sure to visit the show notes page at homeschoolcompass.com slash podcast for links to Tiffany's book and the other resources she mentioned today, as well as the brand new Homeschool Compass Preschool program, a picture book preschool. If you enjoyed this conversation, we would be so grateful if you would share this episode with a friend. And if you're feeling especially generous, we'd love for you to tap those five stars in your podcast player and leave us a quick review, letting us know what you like about the show. Thank you to each one of you for listening. We're honored to be able to walk alongside you on your homeschool journey. And until next time, remember, you are loved and you are not alone.